0: You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. My name's Ben Hurt. I have the privilege of serving as the Elkhart County campus pastor. Do you guys know we're planning a church out in Elkhart County? (laughs) Just want to invite you and encourage you and ask that you would pray for us as we continue to gather to grow a body of believers who are going to make this thing happen. Uh, We are in core group building stage, and if you live out there, if you live out in Elkhart, you live out in Goshen, Middlebury, Bristol, we're right out in the middle of there where we're going to be doing church. And if you live there, let me just encourage you to pray and ask God if he would have you to be a part of something that's going to be amazing. Uh, We are meeting tonight actually at 6 p.m. at Jefferson Elementary school in Goshen Uh, we meet about every Sunday night Uh, we're going through DNA right now to make sure that we lay a firm foundation for those who are going to be coming and so let me just encourage you to come out we're going to be talking about our fourth pillar anybody know what our fourth pillar is no, obviously you don't. Uh, go out there and read the, the signs out there. It's sharing the good news of Jesus with boldness. And we're going to have somebody share just a powerful testimony of the way God has changed uh, their lives. Of course, every testimony is powerful in my eyes. Uh, so let me encourage you to join uh, me to join us tonight at 6 p.m. if you would. Uh, so we're looking at Second Peter 1 and we're going to get to that shortly. How many of you have ever had the privilege of teaching somebody how to ride a bike? Yeah, and groaning in the room, yeah. Yeah, so we have five kids, and uh, so we have three that are in the bike riding stage, three that have made it through. Each of them have been completely different. Our first child, our oldest, you guys can probably relate to this, she was basically ready to ride a bike the moment she came out of her mother's womb. Uh, in fact, when it came time to teach her, she actually taught me how to teach her. Uh, she was that smart. Uh, we had another another daughter, our third born. Uh, she was She was a little bit more challenging, but she caught on pretty quickly. And then there was my son, and this was a little bit more challenging. Uh, he, every, he was just frightened every time I mentioned about teaching him how to ride a bike. Uh, he was just scared to death. Uh, but here's the thing: I took, I gave him every instruction. I let him know everything he needed to know in order to ride this bike. Uh, we sat down with him. I said, "Son, I'm going to hold the bike the whole time. All right? I'm going to hold on to that seat. I'm going to hold on to the handlebars. I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let you crash." And so I'm gonna give you everything you need to know. But here's the thing, you need to make every effort to help me in this process. So here's what I need you to do. You gotta got sit straight on the bike, so if you lean to the right or the left, you're gonna fall. Sit up straight, I want you to pedal as hard as you can, because the harder you pedal, the faster you go, the easier it's gonna be for you to ride. And one more important thing, you gotta keep your eyes straight ahead the whole time. Don't look back at me, I'm gonna hold on to you. So, son, do you have faith in me? Do you trust that if we do what I say that you're going to be able to ride a bike? Yeah, dad, I got faith. I got trust. Well, uh, we get out there in two seconds into it. He's just looking back, making sure I'm not letting go. And keep your eyes forward. And he's just screaming the whole time. I got this, come on, we can do this. So 20 minutes later, we're like, all right, we'll try another day. So another day comes, I sit down with him, I explain the same thing over and over again. Son, do you have faith? Do you trust that if we do what I say, you're gonna be able to ride this bike? Yeah, dad, yeah, dad. Well, what do you think happened? scream, scream some more, scream some more. But here's the thing, if you've ever taught somebody how to ride a bike, they actually learn how to ride a bike before they actually know they can ride one. You know what I mean? Like they know it, like you let go, they think you're still holding on and they're riding. And so... He finally, after hours upon hours, he finally learned to ride a bike. And this is why my wife is teaching him how to drive, because it's not going to be me. But we see this similar thing in 2 Peter 1 when it comes to our relationship with God. As I gave my son everything he needed to know to ride a bike, so God gives us everything we need to grow in godliness, to grow in the gospel. I was there to help him ride the bike but he had to make every effort to grow, he had to make every effort to make that happen. In the same way, God has granted us faith and what we need to grow in it, but he also commands us and calls us to grow in it. And lastly, just as my son's faith in me was confirmed by him taking action and riding his bike, so our faith is confirmed when we live it out. So let's uh, read 2 Peter 1. Follow along with me as I read. Starting in verse 3. His divine power has granted to us It's important for us to kind of recall what we've been going through in this series, Nailing the Gospel. And so Pastor Trent has been sharing this statement with us. Scripture alone defines justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. It's going to be tempting for us if we look at this passage and and we forget the fact that God's saving faith in our life was a gift from him. We did not do anything to earn that. There's nothing we can do to earn his favor. He earned that for us by sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. So when we look at this passage, that has to be the lens that we look through. We are not saved uh, by our works. So here's the thing, we are saved through faith alone, however, saving faith is never alone. So if we're going to nail the gospel, part of nailing the gospel is making sure that that gospel actually gets lived out because it makes a difference. We've been singing about it today. And so let's talk about this. I want to go through three things that this passage talks about when it comes to growing in the gospel. Here's the first thing. God has granted to us all that we need to grow in the gospel. Verse 3 says it right there. His divine power, this is God, His, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has given us, first and foremost, life. He's given us spiritual life. He's opened our eyes to our need for Jesus. He made a way by sending Jesus to pay the price for us. And so he's given us new life. That's that's where this all starts. Without faith, this passage means nothing to us because there's nothing we can do apart from his spirit dwelling in us. And so uh, praise the Lord that he's rescued us. And he's also given us a target here. And as you look at this verse, really the goal of all of this is that we grow in godliness. That's, what, that's the goal, that we grow in godliness. So he gives us a target. Have you ever been told, have you ever told your kids, um, why don't you just, just go make yourself useful? You ever hear that? That's real helpful, right? You tell that to a little boy, and all of a sudden you hear a crash, and uh, and he's throwing a rock through a window. What were you doing? Well, I thought it'd be useful if I threw this rock through that window. I mean, I'd learn something. It breaks, you know. So, but praise the Lord, He doesn't just say, "Go make yourself useful." He gives you a goal, godliness, and who's our source of godliness? Who's our example? Jesus. We know what we're to go after, what we're to shoot after. That's God's grace that He does that. Not only does He uh, give us a goal and the power the source to do it, he also gives us a means by which we can grow in godliness. You see there in verse three, again, through the knowledge of him who called us. Uh, he's given us knowledge. How do we grow in godliness? We grow through the knowledge that he's given us. First and foremost, salvation. John seventeen three says this, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So he's granted us that knowledge of him that saves us. But where do we get that knowledge from? Does it just kind of appear to us in our dreams and we're strolling around and all of a sudden we run into this knowledge? No, he's given us his word. And that's another thing he's given us through his word here by his divine power, his glory and excellence. He has granted to us precious and very great promises. In his word, precious and very great promises. I I really think I would serve us all well if we just stopped right now and all we did for the rest of this time is just to share his promises from his word. I'm not gonna do that, but I do wanna share a few of the ones that I find most precious for me. Listen to some of these promises that we find in God's word. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Isn't that amazing? It doesn't say if you stop doing what you're doing, God's going to forgive you. No, we confess, so we contribute our sin, and God forgives us when we confess. That's amazing to me. What a sweet promise. And right along with that, we see in Romans 8.1, I love, I love the whole book of Romans 8, especially, but Romans 8.1 says this, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. None. Think about your week. There's plenty of each of you. If we were to put your life on the screen, if you were to put my life on the screen, I'd be thoroughly embarrassed, be enough to condemn me in the world's eyes. But God says for those who are in Jesus Christ, there's no condemnation. So if you're a Christian believer in Christ this morning, if you're carrying weight from your past sins, there's no condemnation for you. What what an amazing promise that is for us. We just sang about the Holy Spirit. We're not left on our own. God gives us a helper it was a gift that Jesus actually died, not only the fact that he paid for our sins, but he also had to go in order to send a helper. John fourteen twenty six. we read this. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. We have a helper who's there all the time who's spurring us on, who's convicting us when we need conviction, encouraging us when we're faint-hearted. He gives us his Holy Spirit. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 is so rich about our Savior Jesus, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How many of you don't want to receive what you deserve this week? Me, that's mercy. How many of you want to receive what you don't deserve? That's grace. How often are we in time of need? All the time. What can we do when we're in time of need of mercy and grace? We can draw near to the Father. How can we draw to the Father? Confidently. We don't have to come whimpering in, limping in. We can come boldly because the Father wants to hear from us. He's, he longs to have fellowship. Well, he longs for us to, to feel his fellowship. He is amazing that he gives us his great and precious promises. Draw near in your time of need because we have a high priest who is, who is not unable to sympathize with. Rather, he can sympathize with because he knows our weaknesses. He was tempted in every way that we are, yet with what was without sin. And so draw near confidently to the Father. What an amazing promise that is. Here's the last one I'll share with you. Revelation 21: 3 and four. And I know we can all, we're all looking forward to this. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear in their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Jesus sees your tears. He sees the mourning that you go through. He he knows what it's like to lose something. He knows how painful death can be, and one day all that's going to be done away with. We're not living for today. This is a great promise for us because we get stuck in this world and we forget what's coming ahead. And so as we get in scripture though, we see often, often there's this call to look forward. Look forward, this is coming. All this stuff is gonna be done away with and I'm gonna make all things new. He's given us his great and precious promises that stir us on, that help us to grow in godliness. One more thing he gives us. He gives us his divine nature. Verse four by which he has granted to his precious and great promises through which these things, we may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So don't be confused here. This isn't referring to the like you're gonna become God. That's not what he's talking about. But what he's doing, he's giving you a new nature. We are all born into this world with a sinful nature. All we know when we are born is sin. That's all we know, that's all we crave. It has the appearance of looking good, but it's sinful nature, but here's what happens. Because God gives us his nature, the result is we escape, escape corruption from our sinful nature. The things of God become pleasures for us. We love the things of God and we hate the things of this world, and he does that increasingly in us. God has given us everything we need to grow in the gospel. He's given us eternal life. He's given us his word, his precious and great promises, and he's given us a new nature. Those are what God, this is what God does. But he also says this to us in this. Number 2, God commands us to make every effort to grow in the gospel. Verse 5 says this. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. It starts out with for this reason. For what reason? For everything we just talked about. Because of the fact that He has given us everything we need to grow in life, in godliness through the knowledge of Him, through His precious and great promises, the fact that He has shared His nature with us. Because of those things, make every effort. Now, make every effort, this is a call to diligence. The Christian life is not a passive life. This is a call to action. It's a call to to make some progress in your life and to go hard at it. We aren't talking about taking the time to study and learn these things so that you understand, right? Oh, that was such a great group discussion. I love the sermon. I learned so much up here. And so I'm spiritual now because I've learned this stuff up here. Fantastic. Yes, we want to do that. We want to grow in that. But if that knowledge doesn't turn into action, we're not going anywhere. We want to put that knowledge into action. We want to make every effort to do that. We are called to live these things out as an expression of our faith. We can't be passive. But this is a danger here. As I mentioned earlier, listen to this. We don't make every effort to grow in order to earn a position with God. We don't work this thing out to earn God's favor. No, rather, we make every effort to grow out of our position with God. You see the difference there? Because of the fact God has done this for us and given us what we need, he's saying go now. Be fruitful. It's an encouragement for us. These aren't things that help us to earn our salvation. Rather, for those who have been genuinely saved by faith, these characteristics will take effect in the life of a believer. Here's the reality, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But God never intended us to then just sit back and coast. You know, Peter, Peter didn't sit down with the church here and just say, hey, guys, here's what I want you to do. Just let go and let God. You hear that? You might have a mug at home that says that. I'm not saying there's never a time for that, but we can use that so often and think, hey, God saved me. I can go do whatever I want to. Because God said, oh, let go and let God. No. He's called us to take action. Genuine salvation leads us to grow in these things. Do you hear that? Genuine salvation is going to spur you on. You don't have to be kicked in your tail to do these things. You might need to be reminded like we're doing this morning, but a genuine believer is growing in these things. So let's take a look at each of these supplements and define them. But first of all, we've got to define faith. Uh, what is faith? It all starts with faith. That's trusting in Christ alone for salvation. So it all starts here. This is the foundation. If we don't have a personal relationship with Christ we're going to have a really hard time growing in the following things because the Holy Spirit isn't there to grow us in that. We're not going to be growing in those areas if the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell within us. But with with that faith, with that believing faith, we get the Spirit who then prompts us in this. So. You look at this, this stair-step approach isn't necessarily like sequential. It's not like you start with virtue. Okay, I got virtue down, now I'm gonna move to knowledge. Okay, I got knowledge down, I'm gonna move to self-control. It's not so much that. The important thing there is to remember your foundation, that's faith, and it all culminates in the last one, love. All these things are wrapped up in love. But let's go ahead and take the time to define each of these. And remember, as we look at the scripture, it's, it's calling us to make every effort. So as you're thinking through these, how do you need to make every effort to grow in each of these areas? Virtue, what is virtue? Uh, you might have a different version that says something like excellence of character. Moral excellence. Basically, when I look at this, as believers in Christ, we should just be good people, right? We should have good character, People should want to be around us because because we're kind, we're loving. That's what virtue is, an excellence of character. What what would people say about you? you? Are you a complainer? Would they say, man, he complains, or man, when things aren't good, you better just stay away from them. Well, this is a problem with virtue. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, What's knowledge? Practical understanding of the truth. Practical understanding of the truth. There are two things going on here. First of all, you need the truth. Second of all, you need to be in the truth. How many of you have ever seen The Matrix? You've seen it's kind of an older movie. Uh, I'm not suggesting you go home and watch it, okay? I'm not supporting The Matrix. But there's a part in there where I wish this is the way Christianity worked, as faith worked. There's a place where he, like, he learns things so quickly, right? You just kind of plug him into a computer, and he he wants to learn Kung Fu, and so they plug him into the computer, and then he comes to afterwards, he's like, I know Kung Fu. Like, I wish I could plug into the Bible and say, I know the Bible. It just doesn't work that way. It takes maximum effort for us to grow in the knowledge of his word. It's not going to just come to you. It's not going to just you're not going to just trip over and fall into the truth. You have to work at it. You have to be in the book. But remember, if this is a burden to you, forgotten the fact that there are precious and great promises in here. Grow in knowledge. How do you need to make maximum effort in growing in your understanding and growing in your knowledge? Add to knowledge self-control. Restraint, this is restraint exercised over one's impulses, emotions, or desires. This one was rough for me. This one is rough for me. I love sugar. I love donuts. I love Krispy Kreme. Dunkin' Donuts is okay. Uh, I love cake. I love candy. And I love chocolate. And I had this in my desk all week, the Snickers bar. And is it wrong to eat a Snickers? No, it's not wrong. But here's the problem with me. Once I take one bite, I want two, and then I want a whole bar, and then I want another bar, and then I want a big bag of bars, and then I go to Costco and buy the 12-pack and eat them all in one sitting. So I have to guard myself. I need self-control. I need to make maximum effort to... uh, for, to grow in self-control. And so I'm going to practice self-control. I'm going to take maximum effort here, and I'm going to give the Snickers away. Who, who likes Snickers? Who wants the Snickers? Right there? Here you go. <laughs> you can have, but practice self-control, and you cannot eat that during the service, okay? But what is it for you? How do you need to make maximum effort to grow in self-control? Notice there, uh, emotions. Are you one that is just, you just quickly, uh, the self-control, you just quickly turn to anger. If anybody crosses you, you just flip off the handle and snap of your fingers. How do, you need, how do you need to grow? How do you need to put every effort into growing into self-control in that? Maybe you l- love yourself some Kohl's or some J.C. JCPenney's. You, you just can't go to the mall because you come home broke. And your husband is taking all your uh, all your credit cards away. Are you husband? You, I know you husbands too. You like to go to you know Bass Pro Shop and you come up with all this fishing equipment. What is it for you? Uh, how do you need to make take maximum effort to grow in the area of self control? I think tied with really tied with self control is steadfastness. This is endurance, perseverance and courageous patience. I love that, courageous patience. And I, it takes endurance every day to work here uh, because I know where every single sweet thing is in this building. I know over here there's plain M&Ms and peanut M&Ms depending on what you care for that day. Right now there's Reese's and Kit Kats in there. Uh, there's, there's uh, you know those, uh, those, those, those chocolate covered caramels? They have them at, they're, they're amazing. They're ha- I'm tempting you guys, I know. Um, there's two offices that have those. And so I just go, hey, how you doing? It's so good to see you. And just have a caramel. I know there's M&Ms back there too. And some of you guys like to bless us by bringing junk and throwing it into our uh, kitchen regularly. And so I have to practice steadfastness every day. I need to have courageous patience and step away from that sugar. What is it for you? Maybe every time things are hard for you, you just throw yourself off a cliff. You, you so quickly jump to despair because you don't know the promises of God. You don't know his precious and very great promises that he's given you in his word that are gonna grow that steadfastness. I know some of you here have endured awful things that are really hard. But I I promise you, no matter what we're going through, uh, they can be devastating, but there's grace for all of that. And remember, he's given us everything we need to have steadfastness in the midst of what we're going through. Maybe for you, you're in a school and your faith is being challenged every day uh, because you're at a secular school and they're challenging God and they're saying how ridiculous God is. We're in a culture that is continually growing, uh, angry towards the things of God. And so are we going to be steadfast knowing that Jesus, again, he's given us everything we need to grow in that area? Godliness. This is well, what we've been talking about, the goal is to become more like God. So this is being like God in daily life. Growing in holiness. When it says God is holy, what that means is he's set apart from us. But we are growing in holiness. We're commanded to be holy as he is holy. Are, are, are you living a life that is different from the world? Are you set apart from the things of this world? And I love the fact that it says Being like God in daily life, everyday life. It's easy to come here and have this look of, I'm great. But what are you like when you go home and nobody else is around and you're in your room and it's quiet and dark? What is it like with your family? What does your family think of you? Do you have this appearance of being this awesome parent, but when you go home, you're this raging maniac? Like, are you living a life of godliness every day how can you make maximum effort to grow in the area of godliness we see brotherly affection this is just a genuine love for brothers and sisters in christ for instance coming here this is just such a wonderful place to be i love coming and seeing brothers and sisters like For most of you, I would not have a relationship with you outside of the fact that Jesus has saved us and we come here. Do you you long to be here with other believers in Christ to worship with them? Do you look for opportunities where you can serve your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you look for opportunities to serve your own spouse in your house? Sometimes it's easy to serve others, but we're not serving the one that's in our house. Are you connected with people, maybe in a small group? We're, we're providing that opportunity for you guys to grow in, that relate, in those relationships in small groups because we need each other, right? There's a, there's a kind of a, a lot of people have this saying, oh, it's just me and Jesus, me and Jesus, okay? It's personal, but God never intended things to be private. You look all throughout scripture, God saved a community. He saved us to be a part of community. You have brotherly affection for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Lastly, Love. Love, self-giving for the good of others. Self-giving for the love of others. Love can be one of those hard things to describe, but the best place to go is 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind. I would take the opportunity, if you struggle just to love people in general, take the time to go through that. Make every effort to grow in love. Make every effort to supplement these to your faith think about it this way so we're right in the middle of hurricane season and you may have some family members that live in the east coast and they've just gotten hammered I mean there's some of these storms I've watched the videos and it's just it's unbelievable what they've had to go through but if if you were told today hey a hurricane's coming I know it's kind of crazy to think here uh, but snow's coming <laughs> uh, let's let's go with that analogy huh? how about that uh, 10 feet of snow are coming tonight Are you not gonna make every effort, as soon as you, you might leave right now, right? Are you gonna not make every effort to make sure that you and your family are ready to go to take care of whatever you need in your house, making sure your heat's good. Maybe if you got a a wood burning stove, you gotta make sure you got enough wood inside. You're You're gonna make maximum effort to do that. Are we not facing a much more dangerous thing in the spiritual life? That every day our hearts are threatened to be carried away? And so, brothers and sisters, let's make every effort to grow in these things. And there's a threat on our lives that we can't ignore. Look at verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, why? Why do I want to make every effort to grow in these areas? I want to be fruitful and effective. Like, who wants to go through life and and just coast and make no difference and nobody really cares that you're around? Like, I want to make a difference in my life. I want to be fruitful and effective. And as we make every effort to grow in these things, it keeps us from being unfruitful and ineffective. And if you're ineffective and unfruitful in your life and you're just like, what am I living for? There's some areas here that God has graciously showed us what we can be putting our attention towards. Have you ever uh, been to the beach and you're swimming, and uh, for a while, and then you look back to shore and it, and it looks completely different? Like that's not that's not that's not the beach. And then you realize you've drifted like a hundred feet away from where you started. This is what happens when we don't make every effort to grow in these things. Look at what it says: "For these qualities are yours and are increasing. You are." Going to be fruitful and effective. Not just have these. We don't just. It's like we don't just get these things with faith and we're done. Like we don't just have faith in God. God's rescued us apart from our works, and then and we have everything we need after that. He's given us everything we need in order to to grow in godliness. But he calls us to do things. That's why there's no such thing as a coasting Christian. Like you're not just coasting. You're drifting away. You're either moving forward or you're drifting away. Think of it in terms of a current, right? We are, we are battling against the currents of this world and the things of this world, and we have to keep going upstream. We can't take a day off. Does the enemy say, I'm going to take a day off? I'm going to take it easy on Ben today. There's no day offs. Make every effort. We're going upstream. That means there's work to do. Maybe you're sitting there and you're, you're feeling overwhelmed. You think of this list and well, this, this is way too much. And maybe the weight of it is even crushing you. Or maybe even question, why do I have to do these things anyway? Can't I just get saved and live my life? Brothers and sisters, if that's you, you've forgotten your first love. Verse 9 says this. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. How many of you have to wear glasses or contacts? Who, are, who? I hate these things. I would do LASIK, but too many scary stories with LASIK. Uh, I didn't find out I needed it until I was about 16 years old. And I remember as a kid in, in class, and I, I just couldn't see the board. Uh, I'm nearsighted, if you guys don't know what nearsighted is, it means you can see up close but you can't see far away. Farsighted is you can see far away but you can't see up close. So I take my glasses off, I can't read the screen back there. Um, I didn't find out I needed it until I was 16. So I remember sitting in class, all these kids are seeing the board, and here's what I thought. I thought I was normal, and everybody else had this amazing eyesight. (laughs) That's that's why I thought, man, that's amazing that you can see that, wow, you have great eyesight. And then 16, driver's training, they have the board with the letters on there, and I'm like, yeah, I can do this. And I'm like, I can't read anything. And so that's how I figured out I need glasses. Uh, and so we, have this pers- we can have this perspective if we're not in God's word to just think everybody's super spiritual and you're, you know, you're just normal. But the reality is uh, we've forgotten the first love. We've forgotten the gospel. It says, it says in verse nine, again, let me read it again. We've forgotten that, he, that we were cl- that cleansed from our former sins. If we're not growing in these things, we've lost our motivation. You see, these things aren't meant to be a burden to us. They're actually meant to be an encouragement to us. You have forgotten your first love. There's There's this gospel gap that so many people have in their life. See, most Christians generally understand salvation You know, starts here, the, we get the gospel, we get saved, and, and then we also understand the gospel in the sense that one day we're gonna be in eternity with heaven, but there's this whole area in between, and so many people are living spectacularly, unsatisfying lives because they have forgotten what Jesus has done for them. Do you realize the perfect Savior perfect in every way, tempted in every way, yet without sin, he himself went to the cross on our behalf. He bared the weight of our sin. He bore the wrath of the Father that us as believers will never face. He did that for us. When's the last time your heart has been stirred and moved to remember that? Because here's the reality, if we are living in light of that every day, if we are reminded, if our hearts are being refreshed over and over again in what Jesus has done for us, these virtues are gonna be something that we long to go for. Yes, I wanna do that, of course. Why would I not wanna live for Jesus who did this for me? Why would I not want the world to see a life that's changed so I can give him glory? Maybe you've lost your motivation let me just remind you to run back to the gospel. Maybe this week what you need to do is run to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the gospels. And just recount towards the end of those books the things that Jesus suffered. Not to beat yourself up, but just to be amazed. The fact that God would do that for us. Uh, on a regular basis, I go through Isaiah 53. It's another chapter of the Bible you should go through on a regular basis. This is a prophecy that's prophesying what Jesus would suffer. And you just read through that. And it's, it, just, it just humbles you and it crushes you. Uh, and not, in a, not in a way, as you grow, it doesn't crush you in the sense that you just feel worthless. It just, God becomes all the more amazing. Which automatically leads to these things, yes. Yes, in light of what Jesus has done for me, yes, I want to grow in these things. I want to live my life for his glory. This is the one thing in my life that has brought the most growth. And I, I lived for so many years with that gospel gap in my life. I understood the gospel of Jesus, I was saved, and I understand what was coming at the end of life, but this, this life in between was so empty for me. Let, me. let me kind of put it practically for you. So when my eyes were opened to the realization that I no longer had to carry the weight of my sin because Jesus did that back there, and when I realized that that same sin that Jesus forgave me, he also forgave my wife, of that sin. And so I could no longer live, could no longer live in light of the gospel and hold bitterness against my wife. It's it's impossible. It's impossible. When Jesus changes your life, these things are gonna flow out of it. Here's the last thing. Increasing growth in the gospel confirms our calling and election. Look at verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Therefore, do you know what you do when you see a therefore? You see what it's there for. Right? There's your English lesson for the day. What's therefore? Therefore. Therefore, in light of the fact that we can be tempted to forget the gospel, because of that, be diligent. Be zealous. I love this as I'm looking up and studying. uh, I saw this. Use speed. Use speed to confirm your election. Now, we can get confused with calling an election. I'm not going to go into all that. Basically, what this is talking about, increasing growth in the gospel confirms our salvation. It confirms the fact that we're saved. Notice it doesn't say, it doesn't say this. Be all the more diligent to earn your calling, to earn your salvation. It says be all the more diligent to confirm it. Again, it comes back to the motivational factor. Jesus has rescued me. I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be sharing this with you guys apart from his grace. But because he's done that, Therefore, I want to make every effort. I want to be diligent in confirming that and living it out. First of all, it's for my joy. It's for my joy. Make every effort. Be diligent. And why do you think that's true? Why should we want to do this? Because it makes such a difference to be able to stand firm, to know that God has rescued us. That makes a difference for our lives. And many of you are carrying weights that you don't need to be carrying because you're, am I saved? I'm such a mess. Here's the reality about the Christian life. The the crazy thing about the Christian life is the, the, the closer I grow to the Lord, the more I grow up in the Lord, the less I think about myself. And it's actually, I just see my sin much more clear. So I don't have this like, oh, I'm growing, I'm awesome. Like, this is great, look how cool I am. No, it's not that, it's, it's just this, like I just get, I, find, I see myself getting lower and lower and, and just realizing how great God is. And all I can do is, is fall to my face sometimes and worship the God who loves me because I'm so undeserving of it. But make every effort. Remember this. We don't make every effort to grow in the gospel to earn salvation. We make every effort because God has already granted it to us. God has already granted it to us. Well, as we close, let me just recap where we've been. Let me remind you, God has given you everything you need to grow in the gospel. He's given us knowledge of him through his very great and precious promises of his word. He's allowed us to become partakers of his divine nature. But he's also commanded us, because he's given us those things, now now live out your faith. Put your faith to action. Grow in the gospel. Let Let me encourage you sometime to take some time this week. Go through these virtues, these supplements of faith seek the Lord out, maybe you bring somebody alongside, if you're married, bring a spouse, if you're not, find a friend who, can, who, can, who knows you well but how, how can you make every effort to grow in virtue are there character flaws in your life that God would want to work in you how can you make every effort to grow in knowledge Do you see his word as precious or has it become a burden to you, something you have to do? Oh, brothers and sisters, the more you dive into this book and let the spirit open your eyes to it, it's glorious, all of it's glorious, Old Testament, New Testament. How can you grow in knowledge, self-control? Do you have somebody who you need to give your Snickers to? you need to get honest with yourself and realize that there's things in your life that you don't have control over? How do you need to make every effort to grow in steadfastness? Do you get weary really quick? Are there promises of God that you need to lean on to realize that you don't live for today? One day all these tears will be wiped away. One day there will be no more death. How do you need to make every effort to grow in godliness, and brotherly affection, in love. Maybe some of you, you can't get through that because you're stuck at faith. And maybe somebody said you were saved years ago because you said a prayer, but the reality is none of these things are true in your life. And maybe what God is saying to you today is, bro, check that salvation don't be quick, too quick to think that you're saved because somebody said you're saved. If these things aren't in your life and increasing, the, the reality may be that you never really repented in the first place. There'll be pastors up front who'd love to walk you through that. But for the rest of us, don't let this passage be a burden. God is, God's grace is here in the fact that he doesn't leave us alone. He gives us his Holy Spirit, but he gives us some things to look forward to. If he just said go, figure it out, like we would be lost but he's given us clear direction. And here's the beautiful thing. As we live and grow in these things, this is what awaits us. Verse 11, for in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that you have given us your word that is full of your precious and very great promises you've given us yourself God I pray for those here, I pray that they wouldn't walk away burdened from these things that they would walk away encouraged because you've rescued them Lord let let the gospel spur them on to pursue you all the more, let them preach the gospel themselves every day let us encourage one another, Lord, as that day is approaching, and we long for that day, and we thank you that we have that to look forward to. God, thank you that you love us so deeply in that way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Won't you stand and sing?